You are now listening to Chakras and Shotguns. Welcome back to Chakras and Shotguns, episode 37. I'm Jen. And I'm Mick. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good. A little bit worried. A little bit, a little bit, you know, a little bit concerned. Does concern you a little bit? Does concern me a little bit what's going on over in Ukraine. We talked about it a little bit on a previous episode, but I'm sure you guys are aware of what's happening with Russia invading Ukraine and I mean there's just so many stories that I find myself digging into on the internet mm. regarding the conflict. I don't even really know where to where to start. I think one that's on my mind is that there's a town, I believe, I don't know how to pronounce it. It starts with an M. It's in the eastern portion of Ukraine. And they're trying to evacuate I think it's like two hundred thousand civilians. Oh my gosh. Out of this out of the town. And they've asked Russia for like a ceasefire to get the civilians out, but they won't stop shelling. So that's one that's like on my mind. I'm just like these poor people who are, you know, just trying to get out. Right. For the lay people, what is shelling? For me, <laughs> what is shelling? Got it. It's basically projectiles that are shot into the sky that drop down on top of buildings. Um, they Cause a lot of damage. Great. Yeah. I think what's been interesting to me in this conflict, in the sense that war can be interesting, is that I feel like PR has more of a sway than you would have thought. Yeah. And it dictates, it's just like, oh, this shit not looking good. You know, we got to do this. We got to do that. Um People underestimating social media, how we get the truth out now. I think it's shaking some of our institutions and belief systems. I, I, I say all that to say, I think Putin is very in, educated when it comes to like warfare and tactics and all of that, but probably underestimated, particularly because he controls PR and media and, you know, everything's state sanctioned or whatever, that he probably underestimated how the world was going to collectively react. Yeah, I think he also. This is weird to say, but he also underestimated racism. And what I say by that is he has invaded or like sent forces into browner countries mm -hmm. and there hasn't been this pushback but by going into a white country the world collectively has rallied around this european little guy yeah and all the little snippets of journalists who are like this is this is a civilized place this isn't afghanistan it's like well dang you know the afghanis are like why am i in it mm -hmm. it's been really troubling just to see, like, in this terrible time, during the situation where it's an emergency situation, it's like racism doesn't take a day off, right? Like, right. there are these African immigrants 
trying to get out, trying to leave the country, and they're being refused entry to the trains. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I take away from that and why I think I have been so passionate about preparedness and particularly Black people getting prepared is because if something were to go down in the States and we are needing to evacuate or we are needing to figure out resources, racism is still going to be present. And so it's more important, more imperative that communities of color are prepared and have the ability to take care of themselves and not have to depend on the white power structure to take care of them. It's so disappointing that it's so entrenched in like the fiber of like institutions, governments, people that it's that I don't even think they. And this is not me letting them off the hook, but I think it's like a split second calculation when they see a brown or black person that it's like, oh, you're not quite as much of a human as I am. And that really irks the F out of me. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, are you serious? Like, we're all trying to get out. And it's like, oh, no, not you. And it's like, you think I don't want to protect my kids as much as you want to protect yours? Yeah. Like, the things that people want out of life are very basic. To live freely, be happy, and protect their loved ones. And that that calculation doesn't even happen. Yeah. I saw a video clip of a Congolese man who was in Ukraine and he was talking about how the Ukrainians were asking him to fight, like trying to give him a gun to go fight the Russians. And he was like, nah, man, I'm not doing that. And I think about black GIs back in the day who fought in early wars, World War I, World War II, thinking that if they fought, and they came home, mm. that America would somehow embrace them and they would be given full rights of citizenship. But in a lot of cases, they were brutalized when they returned home. Right? With PTSD and trauma that they didn't even know how to diagnose or Exactly. Describe. Exactly. And we're still seen as second-class citizens. So I know part of me was kind of like rooting that Congolese man on. It's like, yeah, don't go over there and fight for them if they're going to turn around and not treat you with respect and dignity and equal rights. You know, on one hand, they're saying you can't leave the country on the trains because Ukrainians have to get on first. And and on the other hand, they're saying we want you to fight. It's like, you don't get it both ways. You don't get it both ways. Yes. They always want you. They being structures of white supremacy. They want you to buy in without getting the value in return. Exactly. It's always, I want you to do this work. I want you to put the whole team on your back. And then it's like, you want full citizenship? You want to be seen as an equal? I And this goes for a lot of different structures. This is not just about like government, political relations. This can be any type of structure that's set up in white supremacy. Like we see this in higher education. We see this in corporate America. Uh, it's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I think one thing, though, that has really bothered me about it is, I don't want to blame movies, but I just feel like there is this detachment in realizing that no matter what, these are people Yeah. on either side, right? Because 
yeah, there could be a Russian soldier who's like, yeah, we're going to get the Ukrainians. I hate them or whatever. And he is evil in his heart. But at the end of the day, they're taking their orders from somebody. And these are people. These are people who have signed up for this or people who haven't signed up for this. And like, and they're dying. Mm -hmm. For what? Yeah. So on a lighter note, somewhat, if you want to follow along as to what's going on and kind of keep up, there is a... (laughs) Funny TikTok account that I found. I think she's a law student. Okay. If not a lawyer already. Um, her her handle is at I am legally hype. Okay. And so we'll put it in the show notes. But she gives what Mick and I call wretched recaps <laughs> of what's going on. And it's like really easy to follow. <laughs> very easy to follow. She breaks it down in very easy to understand terms about, you know, how Putin is moving, what the Ukrainians are doing in response, what the U.S. is doing. It's it's great. Yeah. So we'll send some positive energy that this will resolve because there's enough that everyone has on their plate. And yeah. like the big stuff that we really can't individually control, I just need that to go smoothly. Yeah. Anyway, let's so, um let's woo side that out. Let's do a little bit of breath work. All right, guys. So I'll be leading us today. I want to do a simple goal visualization. So I want you to take some time, think about a goal that you have in the near term. It could be a job that you want to land, a deal that you want to close, a purchase that you want to make. Maybe there is a relationship that you have that you want to bring some healing to. I want you to just focus on that goal. I want you to see yourself achieving that goal. Close your eyes. Take some deep breaths. And I want you to, in your mind's eye, visualize you achieving whatever that goal is. I want you to feel the emotions, whether that's contentment, excitement, satisfaction, whatever the emotion that you think you would feel after completing that goal. Bring awareness throughout your body, starting at your crown chakra and working all the way down. I want you to invite the energy of that emotion throughout your body. Let's just sit with that for a few breaths.
Now slowly open your eyes. Let's take a moment, either in your phone or in a notepad. Just jot down what that felt like. Let's come back to the show. Thanks, Meg. I needed that reset and time to remember what I'm focusing on, what I'm moving towards. It can get so easy to get caught up in, you know, the day-to-day, what you need to do or what someone just did or this person's getting on your nerves or what am I going to do about the war? And just remember, you know, one foot in front of the other, getting back into the positive vibrations and frequency of what I'm trying to attract and moving forward. So thank you. All right. Let's get into our main topic. We're so excited. We have a guest today. Her name is Ashley Ashita Dixon. She's a mother and empowerment coach and speaker and a human design analyst. With a background in the arts with over 20 years of experience as an entertainment professional, she has toured the world with Katy Perry and the Backstreet Boys. She's taken the stage for stand-up, improv, and traditional theater. Ashley has used her experience and knowledge of human design to inspire real self-love and to cultivate trust in one's ability to be powerful and make progress in their own unique and individual way. With no further ado, let's welcome Ashley to the show. All right. So thank you so much again, Ashley, for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Why don't you help our listeners out and tell us a little bit about your background? All right. So thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you both. So my background, a long, long time ago, I was born... (laughs) (laughs) in Miami, Florida. Uh, My parents are both immigrants from Jamaica, so they moved here as adults. And so I'm first-generation American uh, living in Miami, which is, let's let's face it, it's not America. It's it's not like the rest of the United States, right? It's it's almost like its own little (laughs) island. So um, lots of island people there. That's where I grew up. And I have two sisters younger than me, not much younger, but younger than me. And I went to art school. I danced starting 10 years old through sacral response, honestly, started dancing and danced the rest of my life. I I had a really different type of childhood because I was in art school the whole time. So I just, I really love the fact that I was able to express myself at such a young age and kind of like work myself into this rhythm and I feel like just having that kind of advantage of dancing as a kid I really feel like that really put me in my in the rhythm of my design without even knowing it yeah that's how I grew up (laughs) in short so you hinted a little bit about your design in that but can you tell our listeners what is your human design profile type authority Yes, I am a 1-3 sacral generator. So sacral is my authority, type is generator, and I'm a 1-3 profile. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your early days discovering human design 
and what that was like for you. Yes. One of like a friend of mine, she introduced human design to me and she was just basically like, do you know about human design? (laughs) (laughs) And we both had studied Kabbalah together for many years. So, and she studied like way, way more than I did, but that's how we met through studying Kabbalah. So we were already spiritual friends into astrology, into, you know, she had like lots of tarot cards. And so we were just like that type of friends. And she's also a one three actually. (laughs) And she's a splenic projector. So when she was like, Hey, do you know about human design? I was like, no. But then of course the one three in me was like, well, let me go look it up. You know, let me go look into it. And from that moment on, we just talked about it nonstop, you know, both of us being investigators and being experimenters. It was kind of like our new thing to investigate. I love that. On an earlier episode, we talked about the I Ching being part of human design and like how complex that whole system is. And so I love that you you came in through Kabbalah, that you say you had studied for years, and then you fold that into human design. And that's like a whole new thing to like discover and explore. And I also have a one line. So then I was like all into it the same way. I was like, okay, well now I'm going to find out everything. So you've dived into human design. You're liking what you see about it for yourself. It's resonating. You know, you're reading books. You said you had a client. So you're now a human design reader. How did you get to, I want to read for people? It just happened. <laughs> it's like, it, it just happened. You know, even before I knew about human design, a friend would call me up and start telling me about their life, telling me about what's going on and without knowing what's going on. And this is how, and I realize now through human design that this is one of my big gifts, you know, my 1762 channel going from my Ajna to my throat. It's this organizational gift. Like you can give me a bunch of information and it's my type. It's my way of being psychic. It's my, it's like this logical type of psychic ability, you know? So like you could just give me all this information and I'm able to pattern, like recognize the patterns, put it in, organize it and like give it back to you in an organized manner that starts to make sense. And I've always done that. I thought it was just me being a good friend, not realizing that it's that's a specific gift. And so I feel like I've always been doing that. And then you put a chart in front of me and I'm able to like start to put the pieces together and being able to organize it in a way that just helps create these aha moments for people. And so, yeah, it was just like, I feel like I didn't make the choice. I feel like I just responded and just kept going. It, it lights me up. That That's so awesome to hear. It, I love to see when people are able to kind of fall into something that, one, they feel like they have a gift for, and two, something that lights them up. It sounds like, you know, you kind of fell into alignment really easily. And so I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what being in alignment means. We've talked a lot about alignment on the podcast, but I think different folks have different definitions. So I'd just love to kind of hear you talk about what that means for you. Yes. So being in alignment for me means being in the right place at the right time, allowing things to happen in their flow, really allowing and accepting life as it comes. You know, we're always so 
as a society conditioned to really push for things and make things happen and manipulate time and space. <laughs> and there's just something about kind of being afraid that things might not go the way that you think they're going to go, but then relaxing into this trust in the universe, trust in your own alignment, and then realizing maybe in hindsight, even that, oh, this is the right, <laughs> this is, I was in the right place at the right time. You know, like I'm busting to get my kids ready for school or I have one kid, but he's like two kids because he's a manifesting generator. <laughs> so, you know, trying to get my son ready for school and just being like, you know what? He's going to get to school at the time he's supposed to get to school. Mm. And let me just relax and focus on the fact that like, I love my son. Getting him there at nine o'clock exactly is not the goal. Getting there safely is the goal. Making sure that I take advantage of the fact that I have him right now, that we have a connection, like not losing my connection with him or actually seeing him, you know, like, let me, let me focus on that. And then not even being late to school. Or maybe they keep the gate open for like five more minutes and then I don't have to bring him through the office or something. Right. But, mm. and I'm, but that's what I was concerned about. Right. Oh, I got you know, all this stuff. And then realizing, uh, like it's going to be the, the perfect time. I love that. Especially for the parents. <laughs> You know, we have two small kiddos and you'll just be like, why aren't you doing what I asked you to do? And how many times do I have to repeat myself? And then like, you know, we were frustrated yesterday in Texas. If it just ices a little bit, everything shuts down. They were home for the day and it was like, oh, this is the worst timing and we need to record and we have this to do and we have that to do. But what ended up happening is because they didn't go to school, we ended up getting dinner done and bath time done. And I needed to make muffins for breakfast time. And my oldest, I was like, do you want to make muffins with me? Something we never have time to do during the week. And she was like, I love it. I want to put my apron on. And it was like such a fun moment, even though I was tired and I didn't feel great. And, you know, we were worn down, but it was like, you know, enjoying the moment. I think since we're on the subject of parenting, do you want to talk a little bit about how human design has kind of benefited your parenting style? Oh my gosh, tremendously. My son being a manifesting generator, he's a 2-4, like pure manifesting generator, but that um, 3420 channel. So for me, being able to fully accept that he is a different person, right? Like so many of us are like, oh, that's my son. He's got a little bit of me in there, you know? And while that does happen through nurturing right and conditioning that which is inevitable right just yeah. being in the same environment it helps me to see with just get more confirmation that like he is his own person and this is how i can support how he eats versus how i eat by knowing that our digestion or our determination in human design that's helped a lot for me, because it's like, we eat very differently. I, I can, I can foster an environment for him to have a calm space to sit down and eat. And I know that I can let him eat by himself and not try to pressure him to like eat with me or eat together that it's okay for him to eat alone and fit in with whatever is going to help his body be calm. I know that I can give him yes or no choices, you know, like here, do you want this plate or that plate? Like the more that I can give him 
choices and he can choose with his yes or no, or especially he's a manager. So he kind of moves to the thing that he wants even more than the, uh uh-huh, uh-uh, he starts to like go towards it. Mm -hmm. Like with that situation, I I can experiment on him, honestly, (laughs) for his own benefit. Right. But you know, it, it empowers him. And I know that I can foster his sacral response and start to ask him yes or no questions so that he gets to learn how to make decisions for himself. It's more than teaching him how to tie his own shoes or put put on his own pants, but I can also help him take care of himself by making the correct decisions for himself. Because I feel like in the end of the day, as parents, that's what we really want for our kids to be able to go out there and make correct decisions for themselves and their own lives. Yeah, I think that's one of the beautiful things about human design is just how personalized it is. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, you're able to almost diagnose yourself and, you know, anyone else's chart you're looking at much more in depth than some of the more general advice you see out there. I wanted to ask, just as you know, someone who may be listening, who is a parent, who may be new to human design, and they're they're pulling their kids' chart and they see their you know all the information that's there on the chart. Where would you recommend starting? Is it best to start with type and thinking about how to parent each type, or should they look somewhere else? Well, for sure, it's best to start with your own type strategy authority as a parent because for us to make sure that we are aligned in the way that we are operating you know but for everybody as even our kids right it's best to look at the type look at the strategy and authority and really take that into consideration for instance you know you have a projector child you're going to realize that, oh, this kid may want to sit around and lounge around a little more often. They might want to take naps a lot, you know, to get them to go to sleep. Maybe I have to let them lay down and rest and relax for a while and not just expect them to like knock out. Or if you have a manifester child, I think it's really important for for parents with manifester kids. To, I mean, oh, what a blessing, right? To know that your kid is a manifester because a lot of times it's hard for a manifester kid Imagine for you, Jen, as a kid, how amazing it would be for your parent to know, oh, okay, Jen's a manifester. Let me help her understand how important it is to just let us know what you're up to or let us know what your plans are. It might, it might help all of us out. You might get more support, you know, things like that. So knowing the type strategy and authority is, uh, I mean, honestly, if, if you don't know anything about your chart and you never learned anything else about your chart, type, strategy, and authority is definitely the go-to. Just to dig a little bit deeper on parenting, do you have like tips and tricks for other types, for generator types, for manifesting generator types, for parenting those types? And I think for the people who don't have kids, something that I'm actually trying to do for myself especially if we felt misunderstood as a kid, is parenting yourself. Because people talk a lot about how how you're parented can sometimes be that internal voice. And if you were a little misunderstood by your parents, you might have to do a little bit more work to combat that internal voice of, well, you can't do that, or you shouldn't do this, or you should do this. And how we're trying to always unravel the conditioning stuck in our head. 
Yeah. In terms of parenting other kids, uh, like types of kids like reflectors, understanding that reflectors really need so much time to make decisions. To, they need a whole lunar cycle. And throughout that un- lunar cycle, you may experience them differently and they're going to experience themselves differently and really working on just not tying them to a certain identity just you know like they're designed to experience and flow through the lunar cycle so giving them lots of time to figure out what they might want or like for themselves they might say i like soccer today and then <laughs> you're trying it out and like a month later they're like mm, i don't like it anymore or you know and it's and it's not them being like wishy-washy it's it's taken that much time to experience the whole range of all the types of definition that they get to experience throughout the month and coming to a conclusion after that and really helping them to get into environments that, you know, can foster that. And as far as, so I spoke about projectors and manifestors, right? And then generators a little bit with my own son, right? Generators and manifesting generators, similarly, you know, because These are types, but there are so many different authorities, right? So really knowing their authority is going to help you as a parent to know how they make decisions and what they, what conditions they need to make a particular decision. Maybe it's immediate, like a sacral or a splenic, you know, and maybe it's not so immediate, like an emotional authority. Uh, Maybe they need to talk things out and have a sounding board and they don't really need to be told what to do, but they just need to be able to speak to someone so they can hear themselves, tell themselves what the answer is and discover it on their own. So those are just, you know, some examples, but it's really important to understand what is it, how does this person work, you know, and how can I honor that? And not necessarily have it figured out right away, because as kids, they're doing these things, they're less conditioned, right? So it's really about getting out of their way, because we are the most conditioned by our earliest environments and our parents, and realizing what makes me different from my child so that I'm making sure that I'm honoring who they are, and also know that I need to honor who I am as a parent and listen to my sacral authority. And even if my son wants to play with me at a certain moment, if I'm saying, "Uh uh-uh, I get to honor that too. And then thus helping them understand what real boundaries look like. You know what? Maybe not now, but how about later? I'm not really in the Mm -hmm. mood right now honoring myself because any, any decision we make or any place any any way that we expend our energy that's going against what our authority has told us it's going to lead us into our frustration or bitterness or anger you know so even if we're playing oh I'm a good parent I'm playing with my kid oh well <laughs> now you're frustrated and or angry right but they and they want a good experience right yeah. they don't want you to just play they want you to be happy too <laughs> I kind of had a light bulb go off when you said that. I think I even conditioned myself to, if my three-year-old wants to play with me, I need to get up and do something, even if my sacral is saying no, right? And so I hadn't even thought about that before until you just said that. So that's um, something I'm definitely going to take away. And you also mentioned the authority thing. And I think that authority piece is super important. We are 
I'm a sacral authority genisplenic and our oldest is emotional. And so it takes a lot of patience, <laughs> something that I don't have a lot of most of the time that I'm, that I'm working on to kind of deal with her constantly changing her mind. Just small things like a snack can take a long time for her to make a decision. And so you're walking to the, the pantry, you're getting something, and then she changes her mind to something else. And I start to feel that frustration bubble up. Mm-hmm. And so I have to you know, remind myself that, hey, like this is her authority. Like She needs the, the time, the space, the patience for me to let her have her full wave of up and down before making that decision. So definitely really important when it comes to parenting. Mm, and it's so great that she gets to practice on the little things like a stack, you know, and then the big things like, like who she's going to marry later on, you know, <laughs> or like what job she's going to take or what house she wants to buy, you know, like those are the yeah. big things, right? But we can practice. And even as adults, we practice on the small things. We practice on the little things that don't have so much weight so that we can get used to this new way of listening to our bodies instead of our minds. I love that. I I think the scariest thing when I was pregnant with our first and I started thinking about like the responsibility of being a parent, it was that I kind of felt helpless. Like no matter how I raise this kid, what values we instill in the in this in this child, they could go out into the world and someone could tell them something else or they could just make a bad decision. And I don't think I had really appreciated until now. Thanks, Ashley. <laughs> like what we're instilling, like using human design that they don't, they won't really have to rediscover themselves as an adult when it's much harder. And there's a lot more on the line that they can feel really affirmed and rooted in who they are from a very young age and knowing that that's okay. And this is me and this is my identity. And then go out into the world with like the responsibilities and obligations and the things that are more serious. So I love that. Great. So we've talked a little bit about conditioning in terms of how we parent and how we can condition our children. I, I thought that would be a good point to kind of transition to talk about your clubhouse club, Decondition Daily, and talk a little bit about deconditioning. So we have a, a lot of folks who are new to human design. Can you talk a little bit about how you view the practice of deconditioning and why you focus on it? Yes. Uh, so Decondition Daily came to me like a light bulb, you know, uh, I was studying some human design and I was just like, I want to do something with this, make an Instagram page or something. And then all of a sudden, boop, decondition daily. And I was like, that sounds nice, you know? <laughs> and so I just went with it. And deconditioning, according to human design, is letting go of what you are not. And it's really that simple. Um, we understand conditioning in terms of, you know, oh, we've been conditioned to think a certain way or eat a certain way, you know, three meals a day and work eight hours a day and 15 minute break and hour lunch and all of these things, you know, get married, man, woman, married, kids, picket fence, you know, like all of these, there's so much conditioning in terms of society, right? But then when we get on a cellular level, there's conditioning of energy, right? And so conditioning happens energetically with a defined center, which outputs consistent energy going in to an open or undefined center, 
it's like a puzzle piece. You know, the energy goes out of one into the other. And that's conditioning. And it's not necessarily bad, but it's what happens or how we identify with it if we hold on to what is, if we don't let go of what is not ours, right? Because if we allow it in, I mean, it happens and it's going to happen through the transits in, in with our environment, being around other people. But if we are not, I like being able to differentiate what is ours? Because that's human design, right? The science of differentiation. So if we can't differentiate who we are and who we are not, that is where we have a problem. And we're not able to really fulfill or even access our potential. So deconditioning is just, and to me, doing it daily really is the goal, right? It's like daily reminding ourselves this is who I am. This is who I'm not. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not an emotional authority. I don't have a defined solar plexus. So if I'm feeling intense emotional waves and things like that, I have to understand that this is not necessarily a part of my inherent process. My process is not an emotional process. So I can get wisdom from this. I can experience it like like the wave of an ocean. However, I am not the ocean. I am not the wave in the ocean. I can experience it, but I don't, I'm still me. I'm still Ashley, a human being. And I'm not like, oh my gosh, am I the water? Am I the ocean? Am I the wave? Like, what am I, you know? And so I don't have to get all caught up and confused in that. So for me, uh, that's why I call it deconditioned daily because it is a daily process. And in terms of human design, it takes seven years to condition same with ourselves, seven years, cell regeneration, you know, a new body in seven years. So it just correlates with that, taking that time to, uh, I don't like the word retrain, <laughs> I guess untrain <laughs> from what we have just been taught. And also the energies that are so embedded in our bodies, you know, there's a lot about, you know, somatics where We've just taken things in and it gets stuck and it's not us. So all of that is deconditioning. So we've talked some on the podcast about exactly what you were talking about, how you can feel that conditioning in your open or undefined centers. Can you experience conditioning in your defined centers? In general, you don't get conditioned in any area that you are defined. However, you might have a defined center with open, undefined gates. So you could have a defined center that has some undefined gates. You have undefined or open channels. So we can be largely conditioned by even just like having a hanging gate where we have one gate and then it's not fully connected to the other side of that channel. And so that, that energy is like looking for, yearning for the other side. And that can create some conditioning. It's like looking for something that is quote unquote missing. And it isn't missing because it's not you. However, there's this pull, this electromagnetic pull for it. And that can also cause some conditioning. So in general, we, we are conditioned in any place that's open in our charts and not necessarily the, the defined places because defined places are really reliable. They're consistent and they're not open for that conditioning. They are causing conditioning <laughs> in, in others that, that uh, have those open places. All right, cool. Let's talk a little bit about 
your work doing human design readings. What do you see as a benefit for someone to get a human design reading? Uh, I really feel like a human design reading is so necessary now because I think it's really important to understand how you work. And you know what? It's not a belief system. You know, you get a human design reading and it's not about like, all right, well, this is who they told me I am. And now I'm going to try to be that. That's not, that's not what it is. And from my experience, that's not what it's been for anyone else either. In my experience, what it is, is a permission slip. Like sometimes we need, you know, we're so used to outsourcing our authority. And so I feel like sometimes we even need a permission slip to like be ourselves. But the fact that it fully resonates with so many people and is so resonated with me, being able to be like, oh, that's how I, that's how I feel like I am. But now I just get to be that, you know, like I'm sure Jen, as a manifester, you're like, oh, I, you mean, I just get to really not ask for permission. And I just really get to let people know what's up and then go do it. Whew. It was like a hit of like, <laughs> I got this like first hit of freedom in my first reading. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And so ever since then, I was like, okay, how can I incorporate this in my entire life? And the things that weren't giving me that and that were draining that energy, it was like immediately I was like, you know, it's it's repelling me now that mm. I don't have to be here. I don't have to be in this situation if it doesn't serve me. Exactly. And as a generator, you know, it's like, wait, I don't have to like do this hustle and grind thing the way that I've been pressured to. You mean I get to wait? for things to come to me and then say yes or no based on just like my gut. Like I, I get to do that. You mean, and then I look back at my life and I realize every apartment that I've ever lived in has been because somebody has been like, Hey, there's this apartment available. Do you like that place? Instead of me looking for it or every big job. I mean, like I got asked to go on tour with Katy Perry. I got asked to audition for the Backstreet Boys and then got asked to go on tour with them. I got asked to like in high school, I got asked, <laughs> actually I got asked if I want to dance or not. And that through the, at like nine years old and that through that sacred response, I was like, I want to do that. Like my body was just was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I got asked to be a part of a music group <laughs> when I was in high school and traveled to Germany. Like I realized that even though I didn't know my human design, that's how things worked. For me. That's how I worked. It was never because I was trying to make something happen. And so once I am learning human design, I'm like, oh, you mean, you know, because as an adult, we start to really try to do things in a certain kind of way, because that's how we're supposed to do it. This is what responsible adulting looks like, right? So I find that it's really essential to, to even just give it a try. You know, even just discover what this human design is for you, because I believe, I mean, <laughs> from that point on, you can really start to test it out. Let me actually follow this strategy and authority. And for the most part, people can just look back in their past and see, oh, you know what? You're right. It's like before they even start to try, they're like, you know, you're, you're right, though, because like when I did it like that, that is how it worked in flow. That is how it worked with less resistance. That is where I found more happiness when I was doing things like that. 
And I also know that when I try to do it opposite that or in a different way, that it is not my strategy and authority, that it hasn't seemed to work out. So you have a client, you give them this reading, all this information, and they want to start using their human design, but they don't know where to start. What are some small ways that they can start integrating it before they start getting to the bigger things and the bigger decisions? Yeah. So really getting to know their type, you know, like how they interact with the world, you know, as a generator, knowing that I'm not putting my energy into things that don't light me up. And I'm definitely not putting, like not making decisions on things that didn't come to me from an out, from an outside source. You know, like I'm doing this podcast out of a, a sacral response. You guys reached out to me and said, hey, like, do you want to? I'm, okay. Yeah. You know, I wasn't like scouring the, the interwebs. Like I want to get on a po- I need to get on a podcast and I need to do this and I need to do that. You know, it came to me. I said, yes. And I believe that everything flows correctly like that. Right. But in small ways, you know, like for a generator, like having a friend ask you yes or no questions to really get to know how your sacral works. And really getting to know that and always coming back to that, no matter what else you learn about your chart, even in a reading, even if I'm advising someone, everything that I'm, because everything I tell a person from that point on needs to be measured against their own strategy and authority. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't even matter what I say or what anybody else says, when you go to the doctor when you go to your lawyer, when you're talking to your kids, school teacher, whatever, right? Everything is needing to be weighed against that strategy and authority. I want to ask you a little bit about that strategy piece. You've mentioned a couple times here. You mentioned Katy Perry and Backstreet Boys, dance opportunities, even you appearing here on Chakras and Shotguns. I know a lot of MGs, generators, projectors, they feel a little bit disempowered when it comes to the strategy of responding or waiting for the invitation. And so I would love for you to talk about how you've positioned yourself to be able to, I guess, receive that that invitation or that thing that you can respond to, because I think that's important. And that also helps people feel empowered when they hear that. Yes. Yeah. So unless you're a manifester, every other type is waiting. So the majority of us are waiting. And even if you are a manifester, and say you have emotional authority, you know, you're you're wait you're still waiting for this like wave to pass before actually doing or not doing the thing that you want to go do, right? As manifester. But the reflectors, generators, projectors, we're waiting on something, right? Projectors are waiting on an invitation, waiting to be recognized. The reflectors are waiting for that full lunar cycle. And the generators are waiting for something to come out from outside of themselves to, to respond to. So during that time, we are doing, you're not just doing nothing. You're not getting in the head and worrying about how your dreams are going to come true or how that job is going to happen or how this thing is going to come into fruition. You're working on making sure that you are in your signature, right? And because that's how we know we're in alignment, you know? So if you're a manifester and you're angry, you know that you're, You've done something or put yourself in a place that has put you out of alignment. So you want to focus on getting into a peaceful state. All right, what's going to put me in peace right now? Like what, 
you know, how am I going to, where am I going to find at peace? And this is where knowing some other aspects of the chart really does help because there are actionable ways to help foster that kind of stuff, you know, knowing our environment, you know, learning on how to take in information or how we take in information or, or, or whatever. It's all about helping us get out of the head. So for a generator, what is lighting me up right now? What, what lights me up? You know, and as a dancer, for, like I was dancing the whole time. I was dancing. I was doing the one, three thing where I'm just like repeating things and mastering my craft. And through that initial sacral response at, at nine years old or eight years old, everything just kept coming. Everything just kept coming out of that. And it shows me how correct that was because all through elementary school, middle school, high school, college and beyond. I just kept getting opportunities and opportunities and opportunities. And I didn't have to think or try to, I mean, I got offered a scholarship to college. I I was like, I didn't even really have plans to like go. I was like, I don't even think I want to go to college. I mean, you know, and then the Dean is just like, Hey, we really want you to come here. We really want you to come here. Like, how about you come to this? And I was like, okay. You're like, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like, you're doing the things that light you up as a generator. You are allowing yourself to be very surprised and delighted by, you know, what's happening as a reflector. And as a projector, you're studying the things and you're cultivating expertise or whatever while waiting. You're doing something that you love while you're waiting. Yeah, I think if I were to kind of just summarize, I think if you're using your energy towards the things that light you up, someone's going to take notice, whether that's, you know, Katy Perry's people who are looking for a dancer, whether that's a, a college admissions person. I mean, I was in a clubhouse room with you. I think we were on stage talking about human design parenting. And I remember just how passionate you were about it. And that always that kind of stuck in my mind It was probably, I don't know, eight months ago. But I knew when we were talking about human design, I was like, Jen, we got to go reach out to Ashley because like I still remember how she appeared on that on that panel, right? Like I noticed how mm-hmm. it lit you up, human design. I, I knew you would want to talk about it more. So I think that's another just great example of, of how you can get some of these invitations or, or things that you can respond to. I love that. It shows you how important it is to be correct, that you don't have to think about what's going to happen as much as just be in that place. So if you are in that place of satisfaction, you know, this satisfies me to talk about this stuff. It puts me in a satisfaction mode, you know, and when I get to talk about it or I have a client, I get to talk about it. The rest of my day is energized. If you're putting yourself in a place that to really feel successful by only accepting the invitations of people that as a projector that, you know, really recognize you, you feel that success, you feel successful and you're getting and you're, you know, you're putting yourself in that place. Now, it's not to say that we won't ever feel the low end of that frequency, you know, feeling frustrated or bitter or angry or whatever. But that's also just a loving signpost to get into the place of self-love. How can I love myself right now? How can I put myself into a place that's going to be aligned so that I can really align with the things that are meant for me, you know, and not place a blockage or, or put myself in a place of further resistance. My takeaway from what you were saying, Ashley, was also that there's no time wasted. You know, even if you're waiting, because we can get so caught up in, am I being productive? Am I being productive? Am I getting stuff done? And you're, you're like, if I'm waiting, I'm not getting anything done. But you're spending time either 
refilling your cup, taking care of yourself, finding joy. And there's no time that goes by without you pouring into yourself. I love that. It's kind of like the tortoise in the hair, right? It's like we could, <laughs> we can like run so fast, burn out and have to take a longer, a longer period of time to recoup. Right. And, and throughout the whole time, we're not really feeling satisfied or enjoy or anything like that. Or we can just be really paying attention to our bodies, you know, that conditioning of like having to be like, what does productive even really mean? Right. Like, okay, well, if I took a shower and listened to my body and made sure that I rested because I'm on my menstrual cycle today or whatever, like that is being productive because producing for a capitalistic society (laughs) is not what is the most productive for us and our, you know, what, what is productive for me, not everyone else. What is productive for me? Mm. Let's decondition productive. Yes. Yes. I feel like sometimes people are like, okay, I got my human design reading. I'm trying to integrate it. But now what? How can people utilize someone like you with your talents to get more out of their human design? Well, for me, I don't do your typical human design reading, right? So when you get with me, these are more like intuitive sessions. Right. So I always work as a one three. I, I love working at a foundational level where, you know, we're getting in touch with your, your type, your strategy, your authority, and we're really honing in on what that looks like and what that feels like and things that we can actually do. Because I have a lot of line threes in my chart. I've got 10 line threes in my chart, which means that I am very much in the material world figuring out how are we doing this? How are we doing human design? And as much as I am a line one, I'm more of a line three. So it's like, how do we experiment with this, right? I'm not into just giving you a ton of information. And then you just have this like big 20 page thing of stuff that you still have to figure out how to integrate. So with me, but that 1762 channel of really being able to take whatever someone's giving me and make it make more sense so that you can go and do what you've got to do and make the progress that you want to make. That is what happens with me. So I'm giving you the information on a case by case basis. It's not like a whole, like a 20 page report. I feel like there's so many ways to find out a lot of stuff about your chart online, you know? So what's the benefit of being with me that I am helping it make sense. I like, I'm going to make it make sense for you in your personal life with what you've got going on with whoever you've got living in your house or or not. Right. Like, how does it make sense for you? And how are we going to, and how are we going to integrate this? Right. I'm the how to person, you know, I'm giving step-by-step advice on how are we going to eliminate this resistance that we've been built up to kind of the door, right? Adore the resistance instead of really thrive in how things don't have to be so hard, right? It doesn't mean that we have, we don't have challenges, but it's like, we don't, we almost don't think things are valuable unless like, they're like hella hard. Like we don't think we deserve it unless like, it was just like, we put ourselves through hell for it, right? Oh, it couldn't, it couldn't be as easy as somebody just asking me to go on tour. Oh, well, I mean, oh, did I really deserve it? Am I really good enough? We, you know, 
it can't be that easy. It could. If you're busy doing what you love to do, I was busy. I mean, I put way more than my 10,000 hours into dancing, right? So it's like, you know, it came. So really like helping the past make sense and helping it make sense now and how we can move forward and how we can really make progress using our human design. Yeah, that's super interesting. I was wondering if you had any examples you could share of a client who was completely out of alignment. They came to you like, look, I'm, I'm a generator or I'm a projector and I'm doing this. And, you know, I have these people in my household and this just isn't working for me. You know what? I feel like I haven't had a client like that. Um, I will say that like, like my clients have all been so aligned that <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is all coming to me. Great. Um, because I have had somebody who tried to be a client one time and I, and I rejected them, you know? So I think before they could even like, like that filtration process is strong, you know, like I was just like, no, I'm not the right person for you. <laughs> my sacral said, <laughs> you know what I mean? Interesting. So I didn't even allow that to happen, you know? Um, so I will say I've never had a client that I didn't enjoy. And also a lot of times my clients may think that they're like out of whack, but it really is just like being in the head. It, it, it comes, it all comes down to, oh, I'm just too in my head to really notice how things actually do work or how I, or because a lot of times they know, they're like, yeah, I know. I, I kind of didn't. I yeah, kind of didn't it. really go with my gut on that one, or I kind of did try to make this happen. It's like they know, but they don't really know that they know. Yeah. And so that's what it really is. Got it. Got it. I don't want you to put anybody on blast, but if you remember why that person was rejected, like well, what about your sacral was was like, no. Do you have a recollection? Oh, I felt like this person is probably not going to feel satisfied with what I give them. If they're not satisfied, if if I'm talking to them right now and I feel like there's this resistance, I'm feeling resistance, then what's to, who's to say that resistance won't persist once they pay me? And then like, what's going to happen after that? They're going to like get upset, start leaving bad reviews, not get being sad, never be satisfied, you know? Like, so I was just like, no, I, I, I saw the trajectory on that one. And I said, no. No, I'm not the one for you. On the flip side, do you have any success stories that you'd want to share? Yeah, like after having a reading, well, after doing a reading for someone and we had two readings and after the first reading, uh, she messaged me and told me that, I, I believe, yeah, she has emotional authority and she said that she turned down one job after like, experiencing that emotional wave and then the right job came like right after that where she was able to wait it out and say yes and just to know that like some just with some foundational information right not even like really getting like super super deep and getting into all the nitty-gritty but with some foundational information and understanding that somebody could really like get the job that they really felt satisfied getting and actually like kind of like turn down one and get another one, you know, and just really make room for that thing that's right for them. Like, I loved hearing that. Can you talk a little bit about couples using human design and composite charts? If you could tell our listeners what those are. Yes. Yeah, so a composite chart is when you take one person's human design chart, you take another person's chart, and then you put them together and you see what, is going on right because like if you have one 
So, so a gate, right, is that little number, all those little numbers in the chart, like little numbers with the circles around it, those are gates. And if you have one gate that connects to another gate, that creates a defined channel, another gate that's on the complete other side and it's in another center. And that's a defined channel and it creates definition in the channel and in the centers. And so somebody can have one half and then the other person can have the other half. And, the, you know, they say, oh, you complete me. Well, it's like you complete that channel that creates an electromagnetic connection, which can cause attraction sparks, but it can also create like arguments and things like that, too. You know, just as much as you can be attracted, it's like it's like powerful electromagnetic connections. Right. But that's where people would be attracted to each other. Um, you also have friendship channels, which are like, you know, if I have one channel and you have that same exact channel then that would be a place of resonance for us where we could really like understand each other's experiences because we have that same defined channel. And then there's a, there are places of dominance or compromise where maybe one person has a full channel that you don't have and they might dominate you there because they actually have that full definition where you don't. Or maybe I have one half of a channel and you have the entire channel which means that you would compromise me in that place. So there's just different ways of seeing how two people connect. And then based on how many centers are defined when we come together, that's how we know if there's enough room in the chart to allow some wisdom in our relationship, or if there's no room at all, and we just have this like relationship that doesn't allow for any wisdom to come through, and it becomes... It can feel really great, but then it can also be very suffocating, right? There are also other combinations where you can have lots of fun together. So that would be where there's enough room. Or if there's just not enough definition to hold two people together, there's that aspect of it. So yeah, it's not necessarily a prescribing tool, right? But it's just to be able to see how do we connect? What is our experience when we get together? What do what connects? What what, where do we find resonance? Where, where are we attracted, right? People think, oh, I'm attracted to this person because of how they look or how they smell. And while that may be true, a lot of that is conditioning based on what we think we like, what we're taught to like. And, you know, there's so many factors to that. But there, when you talk about chemistry, this is where we see chemistry in the human design chart. We see that a person might have like, like a couple might have five electromagnetic channels and you're like oh no wonder i just gravitate towards this person i just want to like want to be around them or or this is why i have such a great friendship with this person or vice or why i have such a rocky relationship or rocky time with this person or not can really help i think we got our first human design reading was a joint reading and then the the reader read each of us individually which was really really cool but I think we spend so much time looking at our individual charts. I don't know if we've looked at that composite chart in a while. Yeah, I think we need to go back and revisit that. The only thing I remember is that we both have undefined solar plexus, but together it's defined. And and I don't know how that worked, but <laughs> I always tell him, I was like, you know, I'm not a crier until we got together. <laughs> until we got together. <laughs> And neither is he, but it's like, we'll have these like very vulnerable moments or we're kind of riding emotional waves together or, and then I think even individually, like our daughter has hers defined, 
her solar plexus is divine. And so we'll get swept up in her emotional wave too. So yeah, it is definitely a lesson of, wait, what's mine? What's not? Exactly. And you can also do a family chart where you can look at a little, you know, your family and look at everybody's together and see who's dominating what. (laughs) A lot of times it is the emotional authority in terms of (laughs) setting the emotional (laughs) um, barometer of the household. Right. Um, And yeah, like when you see that and you see how, you know, I co-parent, so I look at my chart with my son and then I see my son's chart with his father and it's a, it's a different chart. And so as co-parents, you know, he's not really into human design, but it's like, just knowing that there is, there are so many reasons why one parent is going to experience a child in one way. And then they're going to have a very different experience with the other parent. And Mm -hmm. then why kids have maybe your kids with themselves or with one other person, they feel like this. And then when you're with your daughter or your son, you feel like this and it's different when they get around their dad and it's different when they get around their grandma and it's different when they're at school and it's different, you know, it's, it's, different. And so to even expect, you know, and even if we don't know much about what those things mean in terms of the chart, it just really gets our minds into understanding that we're not designed to literally feel the same everywhere we go. But the more that we really differentiate and understand who we are and who we are not, then this gives us more of an opportunity to not be so affected by the transit, so affected by, you know, thrown, like just thrown by whoever's in our midst, you know, like say your emotional authority uh, daughter, you said, comes around you. Maybe you're going to feel it, but now you're not like so knocked to the wall because you understand. And it's not this like, experience that's overtaking you right because as a non-emotional you're taking in that energy and not only amplifying it but distorting it right so before you can even get to that point of distorting it and all that and like and really getting it into your head just letting it happen but realize oh that's not me and now it's like a whole different experience than when like before not understanding that oh, well, what's really wrong? I have to figure this out. I have to fix this. I have to understand it. I have to do something about it instead of just exist in this different energy, you know? All right. So we have a little bit of a different type of question. As you know, we not only focus on kind of spiritual tools and practices, we also talk a little bit about disaster preparedness. And so we did a episode on a bug out bag a while back. And so going forward, we want to always have a little bit of fun with our guests and talk about what item outside of kind of those basic survival things, what's that like one unique item you would want to make sure you include in your bug out bag if you you know, needed to, to leave your home and go to someplace safe? Other than my glasses, what's really coming to mind to me is some socks. And I'm not sure why. I just think I have a thing about my feet being cold or like having to like run on like, like, I don't know, like if for whatever reason I like lost my shoes or whatever, like I need socks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That sounds ridiculous. Is there a particular like, like comfortable pair that you're like, I got to grab my purple socks or whatever, whatever those. (laughs) I am wearing one of my most comfortable. I'm like, that was my intuition. That was my intuition. I'm wearing purple socks right now and I just stuck my foot up in the camera to show them. <laughs> I love got it. it. Got it. Got it. 
That's so funny. All right. So before we go, we want to make sure folks can find you online. Where, where can they where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me at Ashley Ashida. Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, A-S-H-I-D-A, which is my middle name. You can find me that everywhere. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Clubhouse. You can join my club on Clubhouse, which is Deconditioned Daily. And I do rooms all the time going through the definitive book of human design, which is the source material. And I like to comb through that over and over again sort of like a study group, read the book, get people on stage, listen to um, your experiences. Cause I'm not a manifester. I'm not a reflector. I'm not um, a projector, you know? So when we go through sections, like talking about the heart center or talking about this authority or talking about this gate or that gate, I really like to have people's personal experiences to learn from and we all learn from each other through sharing because this really is an experiment. We are really figuring this. This is here for us to figure out for ourselves. So I like to provide the source material information as a base, uh, that one three, right? As a, as a very baseline place to jump off of so that we can really um, see how we experience the, our own how different we are, how beautifully different we are. So Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, follow me there and so that you'll have more information about what I'm going to be up to next. Because currently I just do run-on-one readings, um, but I'm going to have some new stuff coming up. So you can keep an eye out. Very exciting. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. We've been dying to get into human design since we launched launched the podcast and to have a guest who knows so much who's incorporating this into parenting like this was this was a lot of fun i'm really glad that you were able to to be a guest on our show oh thank you so much oh i just love y'all i love speaking to you guys and I love you guys as a unit, as a team, uh, talking to other parents too, because that's like, you know, that's my tribe, but not just any parents, right? Parents who are like on a mission to do things differently and really be themselves in in relationship with their children and co-create, you know, how, how do we like love each other and love ourselves at the same time spiritually and all that survival stuff is totally up my alley. If you know anything about line ones, we're all about survival. So uh, safety and survival. So <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh, so I really love what y'all are doing. And I'm so happy that you invited me to be here uh, to share myself with you guys. All right. Thank you so much, Ashley. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Ashley. We want to thank her again for joining us on Chakras and Shotguns. As always, if you have a question, please email us at chakrasandshotguns at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and YouTube. If you'd like to join our Chakras and Shotguns community, you can support us on Patreon. And finally, if you're loving the show, please subscribe and give us five stars wherever you listen. Namaste. Namaste.